Hello. How's it going? It's me. Um, I've landed. I'm back home. After three and a half, four days at um, the Mayday's Improv Retreat. Um, I'm back reunited with my little dog, Laurie. And I'm lying on, on I'm lying on the floor of my bedroom doing take two of this, which is not very improv. But I just tried to record this, um, going on a walk with him. And uh, he was very, very fizzy. Probably the excitement of me being around, my charisma. And he was exploding at squirrels and other dogs and stuff. So I just couldn't, I couldn't talk because he was so excited. But anyway, here I am. He's downstairs now. And I've got uh, the last batch of kind of, I don't know, thoughts, feelings, reflections, and little interesting bite-sized takeaways from the improvisation workshops that I did at the retreat that I think they're really interesting and could be applied to life, which is, um, if you listen to any of this before, what I love about improv is it's a, well, I guess all drama really and comedy is it's a microcosm of um, real life, life out there pointing at the window, the big wide world. And we recreate it on stage in little, little tiny little chunks and then um, notice things about that that then help us in everyday life. At least that's what I'm trying to do with this. It's like, yeah, improv's great fun to do in the moment, but um, there's some real gold comes out of it. Um, and this is the um, inst- the final instalment from the, the final day, day four of the, um, of the retreat. Now, if I don't want to teach you how to suck eggs, but in case you haven't listened to the other uh, episodes, improvisation is the art and science, I suppose, of making it up um, on the spot, pretty much. It's unscripted, unplanned performance. It's theatre. It's 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 best known for being comic, so it's funny. But it's also dramatic as well. There's a lot of um, emotional, there's a lot of tension in there as well, which it does resolve sometimes as comedy, sometimes as just, just a nice, lovely... Uh, lovely feeling or it certainly affects you emotionally anyway but that's what improvised theatre is improvisation and that's what we're doing for four days was playing workshops doing scenes over and over over again there was about I think there was 70 to 100 people there working with the Maydays who are in an improv um, group from Brighton and all over with with guest teachers so um, the final day which was yesterday it's now Monday it was on the Sunday and there was two workshops in the morning and then that sort of wound up so this will be a lighter um, episode than the previous three, which were about 20, 25 minutes long, me frantically, exhaustedly, very effervescent in the day, going, oh, I love improv, this is all the things I've learned, I want you to love it too, basically, but there's going to be a bit of that, but I've had uh, some time to decompress, so I'm going to reflect a little bit on the weekend as a whole, as well as just share what happened in day four, so uh, yeah, set yourself in, here we go, um, the morning, the first morning workshop on day four was it was a long form workshop and it was based on the premise of something called Bad Bands. Um, uh, I don't know enough about this because I haven't done much long form before. Long form is where there's basically a, a beginning and a middle end and a sequence of of scenes that are acted out by um, a, a cast, a group of people. And there are s- consistent characters that spread those scenes and there's a beginning and middle end. Like I say, there's a plot, there's a character arc. So it's not just an isolated game where you act out a scene with two characters that emerge live and then die when the scene comes to a close and that's that with with long form they there are different scenes that link together and and they all thread and it's it's the clues in the name long form really um so 
Uh, I did uh, long form. I haven't done much of that. I've done it by accident, um, but this was my first time I've actually, I guess, intentionally done long form. And the format was called Bad Bands, where you were all um, your musicians in a band and you each individually left the scene and came back again after the rest of the group had said, oh, have you heard about um, Chris? Um, yeah, what's that? Oh, he's had a bit of bad news. It's that. And then, for example, like, oh, his, his house is full of spiders. Or, um, yeah, his, 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 uh, his fingers have turned into twigs or something like that. And not necessarily quite surreal and absurd, but you had to come on and then either justify what happened or do a flashback to how that came about, the, the twigs, the spiders and stuff like that. So it's, it's sometimes called the family guy, I'm told, because if you've watched the family guy cartoon, like what happens in the main storyline is, is kind of just the plot. And then they have little fantasy breakouts. You go, oh, like that time you were on the Death Star and then it goes to Star Wars. And they're all in character in Star Wars and then they come back. So that that was the format. Um, we were a group called the Scarecrows. Um, I can't remember what the other group was, but we were singing songs like The Parsons, Naughty Picnic, uh, Mouldy Pineapple um, and stuff like that. Um, I can't remember what was wrong with me. It was I couldn't, I'd lost my shoes um, and I couldn't bear to stand on the floor anymore. So I had to perform the rest of the gig on my back. Um, with my feet in the air. So that that's the kind of interesting stuff that you have to play with. And it's, it's quite absurd. It's quite surreal, but loads of fun. And it's the first time I've done any character endowment. Character endowment is where you are given attributes, character attributes, characteristics by the people around you, um, which is interesting because you're not told who your character is. You just said, okay, so I was in one told I was this kind of guy who had heavy Wellington boots, dirty fingernails, uh, collected garden gnomes and really loved his grass to be all one consistent height in his garden. So I had to just, that was all I had to go on and then I had to deliver like a short monologue as that character. So I sort of did a guy who was obsessed with his gnomes and he's really into them. They were his only friends. And he and he, he, he mowed his lawn to an exact length and measured it and got really stressed out when it wasn't because that always happened because of his boots. They ended up treading the grass down and he got mad about that. And... Um, just accentuating how odd he was in his walk and being really introvert and this kind of thing. Um, and other guys were like wizards and superheroes and all sorts of stuff. But we then took those characters and, and you had to sort of learn to remember those characteristics and perform as them, which um, I thought that would be the hardest thing. I mean, improv, I try so hard to do things right. I always want to sort of know what the rules are and the guidelines and uphold them like some sort of guardian of the right way to, to do improv. And I thought I'd end up forgetting this stuff while I was performing, but it's surprising how much you remember, especially when you're performing in a big group. Like you, you, the 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 things you remember um, or forget, rather, your buddies in the group will remind you as you go along and do callbacks and this sort of stuff. So it's this really lovely. I don't know. It's like a collaborative experience of everyone remembering different parts and bringing new things and pushing the plot along and giving you offers to help you play with the same plot. It's just. It's so magnificent when it all comes together because it always does. It always comes together. It might not be the funniest, the cleverest or the smoothest or most impressive scene, but generally speaking, it all comes together. And that's what's so fantastic about improv is you create something from nothing and no one has any idea what's going to happen until it happens. But it by some sort of quirk of the synchronicity of human nature, you end up resolving things and things make sense in their own way to you and to the audience because they can see it as well and it's just oh wow okay that's the magic when it happens you're like oh geez it's that again aren't humans brilliant aren't we? in the imagination fun um 
Uh, and then the second uh, workshop I did was with a lady called Andy L, who I spoke about my last um, last um, uh, episode of this. Uh, and I've got a total improv crush on her, uh, unashamedly. Um, just she's just this sort of high energy, kind of surreal, slightly volatile, big, big presence, and very physical. Like so, she um, does a kind of yeah bodily led like big. It's just it's all movement and physicality is a way of getting into character, moving around the stage and this kind of thing, and larger than life and and big kind of audible energy and fascination and curious curiosity, but like it's kind of an edginess to her as well. And I wasn't supposed to be in her class; I was supposed to be in a poetry one um, with a guy called John. And I, I imagine you won't listen to this, but sorry, John, I left your last workshop with your permission, actually, that that I could go and have one last hit of Andiel and. I snuck into a workshop and I said, please, 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 can I come in this? I, I I need to sort of do another class with you. And she was like, yeah, fuck yeah, come on, join in. That's exactly why I loved um, doing her workshops because it was like, hell yeah, bring it on sort of thing. Um, I learned a lot about commitment from her, actually. I'll, I'll come on to commitment in a bit, but um, commitment in the scene and improv committing to stuff. Um, but yeah, her, her workshop was called Let's Misbehave. So it's this idea that um, of, of rule breaking and playing with the right way and the wrong way. Um, and she had us doing scenes where um, there was six of us and we had to sort of, um, I think half of us were told we were good improvisers and half were told that we're bad improvisers, but none of us knew who we were. And we just had to perform as that kind of improviser. So the good improvisers were trying really, really hard to do all the things right, follow all the principles, listening, slowing down, being kind, making good, clear offers, supporting people. Um, and and uh, having a shared sense of reality and keeping that reality alive, so that we could all play in this world we were building. And the other we're doing the other bad improvisers doing an exact opposite. So they were like monopolising the stage, ignoring people, not being consistent in their ideas, ignoring the kind of the 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 rules and the the premises of the world we created, and just like the, the, oh God, it was insane. It was absolute pandemonium, but it's still kind of worked and that was what the takeaway was like even though the rules were getting broken we were deliberately misbehaving we were getting it wrong inverted commas there was still a very watchable kind of almost sense making consistency to it even though it was just getting fucked up by the moment um there was like the, the, to give you some of the kind of things that went on the, there's a thing called tag out in improv where someone goes on to make a scene and then if you want to come in and change the scene, you tap them out and you take their place and continue the scene that you were acting out. And there was, a bit where there was two people walking towards each other very slowly and very deliberately towards one another, like they were going to have a tense and emotionally tense scene. And I, before he even opened his mouth, I went and tagged out this guy and took his place just as he was about to talk because I was a bad improviser. And then I didn't say anything and just stood there blankly, like not making an offer, not being clear, not playing the game. And then he came and tagged me back out. And it was this like wonderful, like double, um, double uh, le- layered kind of joke about you just don't do that. You give them a chance to play first before you tap them out. And there was people just running on the stage, running around going, oh, I'm a boat. I'm a car. I'm a fairground. I'm a ball. Just constantly changing what they were. And it was like... Um, it's like what happens when kids are playing games and you notice if one of them doesn't want, isn't playing along with the games and says, and starts to introduce new rules that aren't sort of established by consensus and they just want to play the game their way, 
it was like that, only you had like three people out of six all doing that, and it was just absolute madness, and people running on stage, ah, a letter for the ki- from the king, and then no one reacted to it, and then she walked off, and it was just, oh, it was so much fun, and, and the sort of the takeaways from it were that this idea that it's it's kind of like, the, there really is no right way to do stuff, you're bound to get it wrong, so at least have fun with the doing it wrong. And even when it goes really, really badly wrong, it's still fun. And hopefully you're abstracting this to, to real life and everyday situations. But this idea that, and Angel said, um, it, it's like you, you wouldn't want to live there in this world where everyone's deliberately me- me- messing up and getting it wrong and everything going tits up and, and sabotaging all the time. But you, you want to go on vacation there. And, you, you know, it's a fun place to be if every now and again you take a rule and you just bust it to see what happens. Um, and things will still work out and you'll still cope and you, everyone will adapt around you and there will be good people and people not quite with so pure intentions who may sabotage things, but they'll be there. They'll always be that. Um, and the, the, the other thing she said that really stuck with me was this idea that, um, you know, even when things do go wrong and mistakes happen, like you, you don't, you don't lose any skills or ability. You don't compromise your integrity as a human being when you misbehave and when you do things in the inverted commas wrong way um yeah um what was it the, the one last little bit as well another little um rule that that, that and this is another one of the things i'm talking about where something small that happens in a small improv scene can have really big implications in the big wide world out there and this was that you can fundamentally only look after yourself and manage yourself as best you can rather than other people so if you're doing a scene with a partner and they are misbehaving intentionally or they are just being difficult, not, not making your life any easier, shall we say. They're not making clear offers. They're not being supportive. They're not listening. They're not wanting to work collaboratively. They're not supporting you. They're, not, they're trying to be funny. They're trying to be clever. It's all about them and this kind of thing. It's like the only thing you can take care of in that situation in a scene in improv is to is to hold your own shit together is manage your own stuff attend to yourself and your own needs like notice how you react and respond to that person because that's the only agency you've got and just work with that from there and hopefully that that this is just real life isn't it this is this is kind of mindfulness isn't it you know you just you have to attend to your own emotional inner world and how you react and respond um, and you cannot control other people despite um, our egos perhaps persuading us that we can and that we have. Maybe we have a tiny bit of influence over the other person, but we fundamentally just have to, the best we can hope for, um, which sounds pessimistic, it's not meant to be, is that we trust that they have good intentions and trust that they will at least try and do the right thing by them and we just meet them where they are, which is which I thought was beautiful. Um uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that. This, this was, I mean, these were my favourite workshops, Andiel, the, the physical side of um, of improv, and I, and this is this takes me quite neatly onto the sort of the takeaways. So that that that's that's day four um, tick. Um, so this is everything that I've I've kind of the things that I I took away with me from the improv retreat. Um, I, I went in there with the intention of slowing down and being more present in in improv scenes. So rather than um, being it's sort of big energy, frantic, urgent, wanting to just be anywhere but then run away because I'm essentially scared of getting it wrong and scared of being exposed and, and 
this letting my partner down and it not be funny and all, all these kind of pressures we put on ourselves, not just in improv, in, in real life again. Um, I wanted to sort of try a different way of improvising. Like, so I've done quite a lot of intense improv this year. And one of the things I learned more recently is that I need to do the slowing down thing and play with different improvisers of different abilities who are more confident and are more chill and have their sense of style and um yeah will be a little bit slower so i have a different taste of improvisation energy that isn't just beginner energy urgent fast big stuff quick just quite not necessarily being very present on stage so slowing down was my intention and i got a lot of that and i was really impressed at how much um well proud of myself that i was able to do that and enjoy the scenes and there's a thing in improv like that, that when you do games that the, the teacher in a workshop will often say okay, I need five people for this game and then five people will hop up and they'll all take their place. And sometimes, at least the first time I did the retreat, um, I will like let other people go first. And, and an improv principle um, that I learned from Jennifer Jordan was it's it's always your turn. We played with this thematically a couple of months ago, but it's like, it's always your turn. Don't wait or expect other people to go in and jump in and do something. It's It's always your turn. And I sort of held that principle lightly, but was quite mindful that rather than giving myself time to sit on the sidelines and reflect on everything that had gone wrong or or could go wrong in the next improv scene that I was involved with, I would just jump up and get involved. And in a fair way, you've got to let other people have a turn, obviously. But I just remember there was times at which I find myself stood up and hopping and getting excited and ready to do the next scene, despite whatever had happened in the previous scene or workshop. I was just, okay, here we go again. And it was kind of a desensitization to failure and mistakes and getting it wrong and and facing your demons and, and it did go wrong like one of the other workshops I spoke about um in the previous days where I made an offer that that there was a bit of a dead end and I didn't commit to it and I backed out of it and I kind of yeah um set myself up for a bit of a, a calamity and, and Fred Pont sort of paused the scene and we did a, like a bit of a director reflection on, on what what um how I could improve and like I, I did that but even despite that I was still getting up and jumping in and wanting to play and not holding on too much to um, beat myself up or wanting to analyse it. Um, you know, it's okay to, to love bits and learn bits. That was something I learned with Jennifer as well. This idea that, you know, reflections, what did I love? What did I learn? Rather than, oh, what would I do differently? Oh, how did I get it wrong? Oh, what was me? Or going down that route, just like jump up. Okay, in we go again. Like not overexposing myself, respecting one's sort of boundaries and energy and how you feel and whether you need to just take a bit of a time out just going okay okay here we go it's another game i'm a volunteer i'm up it's my turn let's have fun here we go you know um sort of it's committing it was kind of commit committing to it um committing to improv and committing to the fact that i know i will love this and i will and i know that i can cope and i trust me and i trust my partners and I know enough and we'll be all right and what will happen let's find out sort of thing that curiosity and that playfulness um and and the emotional um, awareness as well it's like I've, I've figured that like there's this whole um other side of ourselves that improv opens up if we yeah just are emotionally present as well as um intellectually and physically um so playing with that um but yeah committing committing was probably number one takeaway from the retreat is that uh, it's a, just a heck of a lot easier if you make a choice, make an offer, you decide to do something, okay, in improv scene, this would be saying, oh, you know, we're on a boat, or I'm your grandfather, or 
here I am baking some bread. Like whatever it is I'm doing that's come out of my imagination, just wholeheartedly and intentionally committing to that's the thing and I've thrown myself into it and even if it's wrong and not helpful, I've done that thing. Like if I commit to that, and but hold it lightly, that's another thing. It's like commitment is like, a resolve and an intention reality when commitment <laughs> when an idea meets reality always the case right things change it might go wrong uh, other people have their agendas too like you have to be able to flex it so it's holding it lightly um and not being not letting my ego get too attached so if i'm baking bread and someone comes in and they think i'm doing pottery it's like all right i can see that you can thought that i'm doing object work so yeah i'm sat on stage and i'm Looks like I'm I'm needing bread in my mind, but they come on and they see me and they think, oh, he's making pottery, and they sit behind me and we do like some sort of weird scene from Ghost or something like that. Wasn't what I intended the scene to be. It was just well, it was what I intended the scene to be, but it's I'm not wedded to the idea that that's exactly how that scene should play out. And it's the same with commitment. It's like it's really subtle. I in my mind, if I commit to something, that's the way it's got to be, and it's the way it will be, and that's exactly where we'll end up when the thing is done. That is probably um, a belief that I have in my mind that isn't very helpful. So in improv, I picked up this new alternative, which is commit wholeheartedly to this thing I'm bringing, but holding it lightly enough that when reality meets that thing and it needs to change and morph and shape into something else because there are other people, you know, circumstances change, then being okay with that too and not knowing where we will end up, like sort of in an emergent way. But something can only emerge from something else that is at least an anchor so that's like it's like an anchor like my commitment represents an anchor and i faced up to that demon um that that belief i've got in there somewhere several times this weekend and it was painful but um yeah i'm going to take it into real life hopefully like when you listen to this you're doing the bit without me needing to say oh in real life this is how it applies because you can see that i'm trusting you to connect the dots so so (laughs) i hope you are um what next? Um, failure. Yeah, this kind of ties in with the, with everything I've spoken about already, so I won't dwell too much on this. But I I loved like I I I was sort of appreciating how much I have how far I've come in my relationship with failure. Um, this scares a lot of people, um, and improv conditions you at least in in the confines of an improv place where there's a lot of safety put in. There's a lot of boundaries. There's a lot of support. There's a lot of love. There's things to help you cope um with failure and i love that and that uh, the, the, but that conditioning went to failure is now it's i i realize how much it's become embedded as part of me this new attitude to what failure is and what it is to get it wrong and what the consequences of that are and how we're able to surprise cope uh, um adapt surprise ourselves and adapt and just flex with whatever happens regardless of the original intention like I'm more okay with it now, way more okay than I used to be. And that, that could be age. It could be experience of having been through a lot of things going wrong. Or it could be the improv. I don't know, but it, it's... Yeah, I feel... I desensitise the wrong word because that makes you think like you're numb to it. It's not. It's like I'm just acutely aware of it when it happens and I can witness failure now and just hold it lightly, accept it, even though you don't want it to be that way. You know, that that's okay. You will always want it to not fail. You will always want there to not be mistakes. You will always want to not get it wrong. That's just human nature. But it's the perception of what happens when it inevitably does and not resisting that that has shifted for me. And, and improv has been completely and utterly 
the the bedrock the transformative thing that is is has shifted me on that and realizing that you can have a fuckload of fun when it does you know see all the above on uh, misbehaving um what's this next bit oh um i'm blowing my own trumpet now but man i'm so much more relaxed doing improv now um i'm i'm still very much like beginner intermediate space but i'm i'm so much more relaxed about whatever goals goals now and just jumping up playing with someone and just letting things unfold as they should do now i i love that um okay um other big takeaway um was doing andiel's classes and talking to her and having chatted with other improvs when you do like little reflections about you do a thing at the end of improv stuff when you do a scene at the end of the workshop you all kind of sit around and and you volunteer you like something you've learned um something you that you admire another piece or you love the, the, the way they did something or so something you're going to do next or an intention or or feedback on the quality of the workshop things you you you, you would like to see more of or less of or, or whatever or this kind of thing and um a few play um a, f- a few um people observed like they noticed how much i lead with my body when i do improv so I, i'm quite bendy and flexible and I'm, i move around and i don't sit still i'm quite fidgety anyway but how much i express a lot of what i mean not just through talking and um the emotional side it's mainly the physical with my body and I, I that's generally true of me in life um i sort of move around a little bit and i'm quite um energetic and stuff and and bendy and and feel where my extremities are my feet my hands and where i am in relation to other people and space and posture and all this sort of stuff that we did with fred pont the other day if you've not listened to my other episode about this french theater director oh my god that was all about space and physicality and it sounds really arty and wanky but um God, I've uh, I, yeah, that was so great to hear from other people. Like, oh, th- that's your thing, and and having chatted to Angel afterwards about physicality and f- and and just saying, yeah, that's that's a direction for you to 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 chew, to, to explore by listening to her story and what she told me, and and things about fooling as well. I've heard about fools, which is if you've heard of clowning, it's like clown clowns are a thing in theatre, but there's another thing called the fool, and and clowns are kind of like yeah, they joke and they play around and they're slapstick and all this kind of thing, and the fool it kind of is like a a truth teller, but also a kind of yeah calls out bullshit and is but that they make a lampoon of it they they send things up as well and like i want to explore fooling now and how to get more physicality in my performance and lead with the movement like this comes down to the head heart and body stuff which if if you follow anything that i do like that's very much a part of my practice as a coach is that um we all have these three senses of intelligence uh, the head which is the thinking the intellect the smarts the funny the thinking, the creativity, um, and the heart is this kind of the social and the emotional and the connection, and the body is is the presence, is being here in the moment. It's um, it's it's the, the, your relation in space to others. It's it's gut felt instinct. It's a felt sense. It's intuition, and we all have these centers. We all have dominant ones, and we can play to all three. We all have access to all three. But um, this has been really transformational for me is realizing how body i am i know that that's my way in to a scene if i'm stuck don't think about it don't get stuck in the head because everyone gets stuck in the head not just improv just in life when we start overthinking and second guessing ourselves and this kind of thing that's the head it's that's not a bad thing it's the head dominating we're just trapped in there imagining the worst case preempting consequences trying to control trying to plan over strategize and the head head stuff it can suck the joy out of things and it can prevent you from being 
there in the moment. Um, so that's that's where I've got with that, and I'm I'm going to play with that. Um, I think I think I'm looking at the clock. Twenty seven. Okay, so this might be one of the longer ones. Um, did it again? Oops, sorry, not sorry. Um, that's it. That's they're the things I've taken away, and now I'm I'm back. I feel like I've been demobbed from the army. If I I don't know whether I recorded the last one after my last improv retreat last year, but how I felt like I'd just been like pushed out on a raft onto the sea after having spent four and a half de- uh, four days with, in my imagination, being utterly stimulated by people and ideas and this new world I'd been entered in I'd entered into, and I found it really hard to adapt back to reality. It took me like two days, and I would just talk at anyone who would listen just about how disorientating and discompobulated and just yeah dysregulated i was really um i, I feel less all this time i was really kind of i was quite emotional last night um I, I had a little just private karaoke session and did some singing just to uh soothe the old nervous system um and it's all about breathing and and soothing the the the, the nervous system singing it, it helps i don't know why but it, it well i do know why but i won't bore you with it it's it's just one way of doing it but i was just having a little sing song and back with the dog and in the house and kind of back on my own again, which is, which is always tough. Um, after a long drive and it just felt like, um, yeah, a transition, a, a threshold had been crossed out of this world that I, I love so much and coming back into the, this world where it's, I guess the boundary I'm up against now is that all these things I know about improv and that I love about improv and I want to translate them into the real world to help me navigate life and to help the people I coach navigate life as well in their own way whatever their spin is on it but borrowing from improv principles is like it's great when you're in an improv world because you're with people who they know they also get it they have the same principles um more explicitly and it's all set up explicitly to be improv and it's really easy to collaborate with people on that level because you're in the same so you share a lot in common about your love of this thing and you just want to do the thing but in real life, not everyone is acutely aware of that. And while we're all capable of being actualized um, humans doing the right thing, which is all I believe improv to be, if you read the 20 improv principles or however many there are, you will see that they're just um, they're just like, oh, being the decent human being, you know, listening, being kind, generous, making other people look good, not you. Not trying to be clever and funny and dominate all the time, letting other people have their chance. You know, just being present in the moment, all these things um, uh, are good principles of good good human behavior. I believe we all have access to this, which is why improv feels so natural to do once you get in it. There are other alternate, other 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 ways of um, being an actualized human are available, but improv's a bit pretty damn good way of doing it. I well, I believe loads of people out there have it. We're not always in a space to be able to be mindful of that and to practice it. So it's all very well me. Um, I don't know. Um, trying to think of an example like trying to just riff with an idea and play and make offers to someone but if they're not in a receptive mood and they don't want to talk or they don't want to have fun and be playful with me that's okay but that's going to lead to a little bit of like oh oh you know sadness on my part but then it comes back to the other thing i was saying earlier on about you know you can only take care of yourself and deal with your own inner world in response to the way the the world out there meets you um you just have to kind of hold stay the course right hold 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 these things that you hold true and hold yourself to accountable hold yourself to account and try and live these things in real life and no matter what real life throws at you still trying to be improv because improv is life and that's where we're at that's that's where we're at we're going back we're going back um back at it now um 
I think uh, Cosmoculture, I have to say, what next? This, this, is, this is the way it goes. You, there's always a what next. Um, I'm going to... Um, I met some lovely people who I'm going to stay in touch with. Um, some improv soulmates. Uh, friends in, in, in different parts of the country. Um, oh God, Glasgow, Brighton, Midlands. Um, I met some people in Leeds who I'm hopefully going to hook up with. They get together and they do a little drop-in session. So I'm going to join their group and just, yeah, meet with some some decent improvisers and just get some some hours on some stage time with them and play and see how that goes because I, I, I want to be part of a group now, a consistent group of people. So we all learn about each other's styles and can play with that. I'm really, because that's the thing I've, I haven't really done. I've played with people over a few days, but I've never played with the same consistent set of people. And that can really transform your improv, I'm told, um, in as much as you, you know, you, you, you know, their idiosyncrasies, you know, what makes them tick, you know, their preferred styles, their kind of scenes, what characters they like to play and they do the same. And you can, you can feed each other what you need to improvise well. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, so that saved me a bit. I, I wanted to start my own group, but I think I'm going to just see what happens out of that because um, it's sort of ready made. Um, I'd already committed to doing a course in November on um, scene building in Liverpool. So I'm going to jump on that. That's an eight week course. Um, I've still got my thing going, Jennifer Jordan, Improv Life Experiments. So I'm going to do, I'm, I'm going to keep up that. That that ends soon though, I believe, in a, in a month or two. So that, that will come to an end. Um just uh, do random dropping sessions, do improv. I'm going to spend more time down in the south, ideally, um, Brighton Way and, and play with my improv friends in London. Catch more shows would be a good thing. I'm going to just go and watch more shows. It's not all about this relentless learn, improve, get better, which which is a treadmill we can all uh, get stuck on and just just watch other people and soak up the, the way they do it. That They do it. That's, that's good. So I've got my... Um, improv podcasts to listen to and interviews with people and just just go and watch live shows as well and and hang out and go to go support other local groups in leeds and around and go and watch watch that and hang out with them and because another beautiful thing about improv is there's a whole yeah global community um out there of people and get plugged into that and and see where that leads me and i mean just on a broader life point i'm, I'm exposing myself to as much um Happen chance, serendipity as I can, as um as I'm figuring out um new changes in my uh, living circumstances and and where I want to live generally and where my career's going, where my life's going. Um, I want improv to be a huge part of that, um, which it already is becoming. So exploring that and letting it unfold as it as it will, because I can't hurry that along. Um, the universe doesn't get it wrong, as they say. Um, see the other episode about that. Can I wind it up here? This feels like the energy shifted. Yes, it, it has. Something needs to uh, to, to change. Um, we're on a transition point. So I'm going to say in the spirit of improv, I'm going to say um, scene, which means end of scene. And that's it. We move on and on to the next scene, presumably. Okay, bye. 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 Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Hey, me. Addendum. There was one extra thing that I'm going to commit to. So I'm going to push it out there so that someone hears it and at least then it's a real thing that I'm going to do I've got an absolute fuck ton of things I've learned and games around themes that would be really useful like all this stuff I'm talking about whether the improv practice of improv taking it into real life there's so many things here that I have I've collected so much over the last year or so of practicing this I'm, I'm going to turn it into something it, it seems absolutely inevitable and, and it feels intuitively like the right thing to do is to do some sort of workshop playing with theme whether it's you know like 
fear of, of making mistakes or failure or being present or tuning into the emotional information that's going on. Something like that. There's so many different angles I could take on it. Surprising yourself and your ability to cope and adapt no matter what happens. There's, like that that really thrills me. And I've got all this, all the, I've got notebooks and notebooks full of this stuff. And I'm, I've been living and practicing this way longer than my improv. It's just, I, I do improv in so many different ways, work, walks of life anyway. DIY and, oh God, you know, just, I think we all naturally improv. And it's like, how can I go out there now and help other people naturally improv without needing to be imp- into improvisation, without needing to be an actor or anything like that? Because it's just fundamentally human nature. So anyway, keep your eyes peeled because I'm going to start doing some little fun experimental workshops um, or play, I might even do a mini course. There's, there's so much stuff you could do, like games that you're just playing without even needing to do any acting at all. I've said this, I'm going circular now. Anyway, it's a commitment. I've promised it now. So it's out in the real world. So therefore it must happen. Thank you for listening. I hope you listened. Did you listen to all four? Um, let me know whether you thought this was useful or interesting and whether you got through all, God, there must be about an hour's worth of, uh, maybe even two hours worth of um, insane ramblings from a very excitable man. Thank you. Goodbye. Love you. Bye.